Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. The last proper indoor large crowd concert that I saw was devastatingly long ago. It was the winter of 2019. My friend Drew had an extra ticket to the Walt Disney Concert Hall to see Sylvan Esso. They're a married pop duo that blend the inquisitiveness of folk lyrics with danceable electronic beats that make really great pop music. I particularly remember them playing their hit song, Die Young. It rocked the whole symphony hall. It was ecstatic to have thousands of people dancing in such a hallowed musical venue. And then, of course, 2020 came along. But... One of the bright spots in that year was Sylvan Esso's album Free Love, which is nominated for Best Electronic Slash Dance Album in this year's Grammy Cycle. If you'd like, you can just listen mindlessly and take my word, you will move your body unconsciously. But if you listen in close, there are worlds of sounds and lyrics to ponder. And because I just can't get these songs out of my ear, I had to speak with the duo behind the band. Hi, I'm Amelia Meath. And I'm Nick Sanborn. And together we are Sylvanesso. Thank you for talking with me on Switched On Pop. I'm really happy that you're here. Thank you so much. We're, I'm such a fan. You write songs not just to dance to. You actually write songs about the act of dancing. I feel like you treat bodily movement as a space for different kinds of emotional expression. Like dance is not a monolith. It has all kinds of varieties. So, why don't we listen to Ferris Wheel to begin with? Yeah. I wanted to write a song about that amazing feeling you have when you're first coming into your sexual power. Like you're 14, you're getting some attention. You don't know what the heck it is. You're kind of scared and freaked out. But also like you can tell that there's like some magic there to be used. You're like discovering yourself in that way. And I wanted to like write about if at any point when I was like 15 or 16 and was like able to be at the party that I had seen on TV where like all the teens somehow go to an amusement park and like their parents don't come with them (laughs) and they just like have a sexy time. I wanted to set a song 
there and talk about how fun it is to flirt. There's a specificity in the lyric, slamming in your dancing shoes, knees all bruised. Like it doesn't have that vague universal chorus. It has a like highly specific imagistic kind of language. It takes you to that place. One of my general modes is specificity. When I'm really trying to like reach for a, a true hook, I'll try to write something that's really cinematic, hmm. which is what I was very proud of with this song to be able to do that. Also to be able to talk about bruised knees, like to, to talk about like being like a weird, awkward little kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It puts it into reality. I think that's a, a thing that we're always shooting for is to, I think a lot of pop makes things more vague and cooler than they were and more, more. And by being more, it ends up being almost like less human, like more simplistic or more aspirational. And I personally love songs that lean the opposite way and like heighten the celebration of the ultimately human things, you know? Mm. I'm also very proud of getting to talk about the film Underworld in the chorus of this song. <laughs> <laughs> Explain more. Sainted Halo Underworld Goth Vibes. (laughs) (laughs) She wrote that in the studio, and it it was like two weeks later or something that I was like, what are you saying there? She's like, Sainted Halo Underworld Goth Vibes. And I was like, you mean Underworld like the movie? She was like, yeah, of course. I was like, oh my God. Right, like Underworld, the early 2000s, critically panned, commercially successful vampire film series, definitely qualifies as goth vibes. And I guess what I'm gathering here is that the song has a lot of youthful playfulness. And maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but I feel like we can even hear it in the production choices where you have synthesizers that are sort of dancing back and forth with each other. that appeared really late all of a sudden Amelia is like what if it sounded like Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel (laughs) like you know the beginning sound in Sledgehammer they're like that DX7 crazy like like dulcimer flute thing yeah yeah I'm gonna hear it yeah exactly (laughs) 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 oh yeah we love Genesis Because of the absurdity of these connections, maybe it's an appropriate segue to go to another song about dancing that is, I think, kind of an emotional opposite. I have a a weird super dorky obsession with uh, 1950s procedural dance songs like The Twist and 
I've been kind of like trying to figure out how to make one that, that sort of hides that idea. So Shaking Out the Numb appeared kind of as a way of being able to talk about that, but also about being able to talk about like dancing yourself back into your body after feeling nothing or like trying to shake yourself out of sadness or apathy or all those things. This is the opposite of the twist. Indeed, it is kind of the opposite of the twist. But also, but it is the same. The The part of the song that's my favorite is the bridge where I'm like talking about why you're shaking your body around, like why you're helping yourself be more present in the moment for these myriad of reasons. Shaking to remember, shaking to pretend, shaking to believe it, shaking to forgive, shaking for the force and shaking for the sea, shaking for your mind. You're shaking yourself back for the for the ocean and for the forest and for your family and that was also a crazy day where we're just having a really terrible day and we had kind of hit a wall in the studio that day. We were about to leave and I was like, let's just stay for like 30 more minutes and just like make a thing mm-hmm. and just let it be bad. Like, let's just like make a thing just to, prove to like, to like crack the knuckles of the day, you know? And I think that's why the beat is so frenetic and fast. It was an anxiety beat for me. I was just trying to make a thing that felt really electric and cathartic for me in the moment. And then when she had, she had that line like immediately, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And then we added the bass wobble. It's a bass sound that is actually based off of a physical movement that I was doing in the studio of being like, it should feel like this. Like it should go like, whoa, yeah. but, like but it should be like <laughs> really big and like feel like it's like, a full like yeah. shakedown of yeah. your body. Yeah. And then once it. we got that, it was an amazing The whole thing kind of came together. Yeah. And it, I feel like even now I wake up like from some stress dream, like before the sun comes up most mornings where you're like looking at your phone in the dark and like actually doom scrolling. When you wrote that, it was like, it took me to like that moment in the morning mm. each day where like, I have to like, the sun will start coming up and I have to be like, oh, okay, all right, so, no, <laughs> unproductive, you know, like. <laughs> I, I feel like the collective we really ought to learn this dance. <laughs> That's the dream. I think we need to shake out the numb. Yeah, all the time. Literally every day, multiple times a day. Yeah. <laughs> if you start to doom scroll, stand <laughs> up, put it down, shake it's out not, the numb. Nothing is going to be better. <laughs> it's curious to me how these songs about dance often for y'all have like a very specific place or feeling. One of my favorites is Rooftop Dancing, which is maybe even questionably a dance song, but it's about dancing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Me that was the quickest, like, oh, I, f- I have an, a totally different macro interpretation of this song between the time we wrote it and the time it came out. 
just the idea that like when we we shot the video for that, Cheryl Dunn shot the video for that, and it just ended up being kind of a pandemic video in New York about like the one safe thing you could do in the fall of 2020, you know? Rooftop dancing. Yeah, and just this like it became this homage to like the love collective mm. of of a city, you know, and just like mm. the kind of mycelial network that everyone's a part of, whether they want to be or not. The whole I think the whole album kind of zoomed out for me. It's constructed more around chanting and hand percussion than it is around the typical sounds you might want to bring you onto a dance floor. It's that outdoor dancing, the, as you put it, the thing that's just sort of interwoven between us. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. I don't think any of our songs are actually, or like particularly on this record, like it's not a dance record. Well, don't tell the Grammys that. I won't tell them that. <laughs> but Sandy, also, like, Sandy always makes fun of me because I, like, obsessively write about dancing. And I think the thing that I'm actually writing about is the amazing thing that happens when, like, two people are dancing and then 25 people are dancing. And, like, it is it is the collective agreement that we are all going to show ourselves in a way that is authentic and is less less performative, even though it is performative to dance or whatever but it's it's everybody saying like okay i will be here with you in this way together which is the same as rooftop dancing the same idea like you were saying the hand percussion or like doing something physical together that is simply for joy calling all female runners it's time to lace up and join team milk Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Amelia, as part of the record release notes, you said that you wanted to make pop songs that don't fit on the radio because they're too weird. What does it mean to make pop songs that are too weird for radio? I would love it if they fit on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. We keep thinking they will. I know. It's just we're too damn weird. (laughs) Like every, every time I'm like, I really did it. You know, like I'm like Ferris wheel stone cold pop thing 
But like, still, I talk about like underworld and <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah. We want to make pops, or like, we want to make undeniably catchy songs that are for like fun and joy. There are a lot of pop-oriented and joyful songs on your album "Free Love," but I feel like you're also getting at the heart of what makes pop complicated. And maybe the best example of that is your song "Train." Pop music made me go insane. Four on the floor and the tracks keep changing. Give me a ticket to ride Pop music is driving you insane. Can you please elaborate? Um, <laughs> with that song in particular, I wanted to talk about how disposable pop music is in general. Like at any point. You can love a song so much and it can be like who you are. And then, you know, three years later, you're like, who was that band? Who did that thing that I liked? <laughs> Which is so crazy because like I both have that opinion. And also it hurts my feelings when people are like, oh, yeah, you're still doing that. Music. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes, please. It's my life's work. Like, <laughs> Which is why in the bridge I like strung together a bunch of song titles of songs that have like meant that to me and that have been like thrown by the wayside or that like still like totemically live on forever, but like aren't my jam. Is it just a pink moon? Nick Drake. Yeah, January. It's a David Gray song. Oh, the water. Van Morrison. It's raining man. American girl. American girl. I'm a love man. Love man. Got the cha-cha slide. <laughs> I love the sound of breaking glass. Yeah. When I really love a song, it's like it's like you love it because you feel like somebody has identified like the thing within you, like that you are. And so the other like subtext to me of that song is that you're constantly sloughing off versions of yourself mm. you know like mm. like performative emotional versions of yourself are you just being reborn every moment I don't know I love that one Thanks. I think it's one of the best examples of this balanced restraint that I hear consistently throughout your body of work here's a song that talks about four on the floor dance music that never breaks out the drop never hits. Mm. We never get the four on the floor kick drum. We get some claps. <laughs> That's him. That was- well, but it's like the thing where you're always, it, I love that stuff because it's like, it's like, it's like songs that are about getting ready to go to the party, you know, like pink, <laughs> like I'm coming up or whatever. That's like a, a trope, you know, of like that yeah. the, the getting ready to go to the party is better than being at the party. And sometimes the claps that lead into the build are better than the drop itself. You know, like it's kind of <laughs> you just want to like this propulsive, like we're almost there feeling mm-hmm. like you're like the anti David Guetta. Can I put that on a T-shirt? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> do we? Does anybody know David Guetta? Oh, and my God. Can I get permission to do that? I wonder what would happen if he remixed that song. I think at some point, immediately after those claps, you'd get the hit the red button and the whole drop happens. I'll tell you where it would end up is the radio. So that's 
that's really probably it's probably all my fault really at the end of the day it's just so funny that we have a band that's literally about like scrambling and trying to get on the damn radio like I literally we literally have a song about it <laughs> yes I'm in love with the medium of the radio in general, just because it's so beautiful sounding. We also used it all over this record. We started doing this thing where Sandy got these like cool little, like remember these little transmitters that you used to be able to like plug into your... Like Discman? Discman. And then you could broadcast your Discman into your car stereo. Remember like a world before Bluetooth and aux cords and stuff? And so... It worked just as poorly as Bluetooth does. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Because of that, we started throwing, like, just printing mixes to the radio, which we would play. We would put the mix through that and into, like, a shortwave frequency and then would hold the radio up to a microphone so that I could, like, move the radio around while it played our music. And, like, it was like putting everything to tape, basically, except we would run it through the radio. You made a mixtape of your own music that was not yet released to be recorded onto the thing that will be released. Yeah. Well, the wild thing is it's got this, even if you you don't mic it, even just plug it in, like there's this sound. It does that. To something being broadcast and then received, like like encoded and then decoded. That is like a distortion that we all know, even if we don't know that we know it. Yeah, it makes you feel good. And you can hear it in frequency. Wait, this sounds like I'm trying to tune into a station and it's not quite catching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only get it when I get a Here you go. She's the one I swear to God in frequency. She's got a frequency and I call it. Here our voice went into the radio and then came back to clarity there. It's like really subtle, but I feel like it's one of those things that everybody knows like in their bones, you know, or like that song free. We just did the entire song. Like we made a mix of the song and then printed the whole thing to radio. I tell them don't be crazy. There's too many people around me. If I love them all, they break me. You see? I think it might be the weirdest song I've ever written in that like the thing I'm talking about is being like, the fact that, like, in order to let yourself be loved, you have to let yourself be simplified and therefore be a performance of yourself. Every time you sing the word free, it reverberates in this sort of cavernous emptiness. To be free. In it's a freedom that feels completely alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to write about how weird it is that part of accepting other people's love is accepting their inability to truly see the fullness of who you think you are. It's another one where, like, it's one of those grown up sad realizations that ultimately you don't really have a choice but to make peace with it and, like, move through it and be okay with it. Yeah, like I'm not even sure. I'm happy that I articulated it, but I'm not sure if it's a really good idea to talk about too much. And or like in the context of this interview, 100% I'm down, but like in general, I'm like it's an intense thing to say. 
And like, particularly because I was able to talk about it in, in terms of performance as well. Yeah. Like, well, as I, a I think performer. it's, it's emphasized for performers, but it's one of those things that's universally true for anyone who's been in any relationship, you know? And what it like, that's the weirdest part is like, and this is very Cancerian of me. Anytime anybody like actually sees part of me that I don't want them to see, I'm like, fucking you get no. mad yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, back off yeah, like you are not a le- like yeah intimacy the, i do feel like there's a version of the of my interpretation of that that does feel positive which is that part where you're talking about realizing that it's you that you're loving like you're you're seeing their idealized version of you and you're able to love yourself through that sculpture Mm. You know, and like that is a beautiful thing that everyone has the ability to give themselves, you know? Thank you. Thanks for that reminder. You wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it takes another person to see what's actually happening inside for us. Mm -hmm. I'm really listening all of the time. I know you are. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a good place to close out the conversation on love would be the song Ring which also contains, uh, I think, varying perspectives on romance, celebrity, sound. It's a ring and running round it, babe. It's a ring, it's safety and dangerous. It's a frequency. I wanted to write a song about tinnitus. I've had it. But, oh, yeah, I forgot that's where this started was my big tinnitus scare. Yeah, you were saying he was really freaked out about tinnitus. <sighs> but I but also like about like the the nature of the record cycle and then all of the other looping things. And then the rings. Yeah, and then r- rings. So it's a song that's first about sound, but it's also about romantic love and marriage and band life and all of it. And partnership, yeah. <laughs> also tinnitus is such a good it was such a great place for that to start because it's it's ringing in your ear yeah but and it's also there's a mortality to it yeah you know it's like it's it's not it's not romantic on its face because it's tinnitus but you know what it's (laughs) (laughs) but i think there's a thing i think it's that thing of uh the world wearing your body down over time and seeing that in the person that you see the most There's a part of that that is inherent to long-term relationships. There's always a moment in any long-term relationship where mortality creeps in and you recognize that this is going to end. Yeah. And so that, that's, you know, that's the one ring. We're so intense. (laughs) We're a pop band. What are we doing here? Um, Here's a piece of advice to y'all. I don't think that, Top 40 radio is that into looking at mortality. <laughs> See, this is our problem. <laughs> You're right. Oh. It's like Democrats canceling student debt, man. They just, you know, they yeah, just don't want to do it. Can't do it. Like say that, yeah. But that's the thing. I think also it set off this thing for us because I think there's so many the the record itself is meant to be a loop. You know, it, it starts at a death and a birth. It, it's meant to be listened to in, in a circle, but it also, the last song on the record references the first song we ever made together. Know mm-hmm. it easy, know it plain, know it simple, this loving thing, all right. 
dying out in the ocean turn to clouds Soggy it's coming back to the beginning of us as a band but also to the beginning of the record itself it's we like this feeling of like acknowledging the cycles within things like the surface cycles like a record cycle but then also those things are just echoes of these bigger and bigger cycles that are dominating our lives you know the tide and the loop of life and mm. the inherent ebb and flow of good and evil in the world and within yourself it's playing no it's playing no it's playing no there's like a way to listen to it where it's just like, oh, I'm in a coffee shop and this song is on and this is so fun. And like, I love being in love too. But like, you know, we're always, <laughs> that's always right at the top. And then everything else is like, but now that we're together, we're going to die here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could be reincarnated into Underworld. So 100%. Just, if we say? could all one day dream of getting to where. Kate Beckinsale's outfits from Underworld. Because <laughs> holy moly. I think that was the point of this whole conversation. Yeah. That's what we were trying to get to. Formative, <laughs> formative sexual awakening moment for your boy Randy over here. <laughs> Genuinely, this was one of the most fun conversations I've got to have uh, on the show in a long time. Thanks for, thanks for chatting with me. Of course. It was a joy. Switched on Pop is produced by Nate Sloan and me, Charlie Harding. We're engineered by Brandon McFarlane, edited by Joey Myers. Our community manager is Abby Barr and illustrator Iris Gottlieb. Our executive producers are Nashat Karwa and Hannah Rosen, a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. You can find us on social media at Switched on Pop. Our website is switchedonpop.com. Find that catalog there. Next week, we're going to be speaking with Leon Bridges and Krungbin, who have a great new album out, Texas Moon. We're going to be talking about modern classics in the Texan canon. It's going to be really fun. Check it out next Tuesday. Until then, thanks for listening. You don't say, and together we are Sylvanesso <laughs> together. Would you like that? Will you please? Oh my God. All right, ready? I'm going to say and together, or should we do? Well, no, we should improvise it because it should, it should be kind of bad. No, we can't make it bad. Yeah, it's going to be good. Don't worry about it. Just later on. And together we, we are Sylvan Esso. <laughs> You're a creep. I know. I, you had to make it creepy. Otherwise. No, no, no. He wants real. <laughs> no, but if he wants real, no. then people are going to be like, oh, this that is was like- real. <laughs> I mean, also, like, I feel like it's also, like, now the full conversation of Underworld is absolutely contained, like, the whispered, vampiric kind of vocal quality. That's great, yeah. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.